0: Hello and welcome to the 62nd episode of 10 Questions. This week's guest is the actress Georgina Haig. Selected credits from Georgina's fabulous career include the first season of Underbelly, Queen Elsa in Once Upon a Time, before moving on to The Crossing and Snowpiercer. And now she's back in Australia playing Rachel Rafter in Pack to the Rafters for Amazon Prime. In our chat we get into the weeds of what it's like to be a working actor and to have a father who wrote the Australian classic BMX Bandits. I've known George, her husband Josh, and daughter Greta for quite some time and we talk about them all here. But I started our conversation by asking George when she was most happy.
1: It's, it's more this image that always comes to my mind um, of, it, it's basically my shadow, my silhouette, and I'm looking at my silhouette and I'm wearing a backpack and I'm with friends and we're all backpacking and, and I feel so happy because, um, you know, I'm in Vietnam, I'm on my gap year. And it's, I think, I don't know. I think it was just look seeing that silhouette, um, when I was 18 and feeling, <sighs> feeling so free for the first time, I think, like, I think I had a very happy childhood and, um, loved school and everything, but I think, in the back of your head you sort of know how that it's everything's being controlled for you Mm. and um and I was desperate to to travel and go check out the world we didn't really travel much growing up at all we didn't even go to Queensland the furthest (laughs) the furthest furthest we got was Mildura
0: oh wow
1: (laughs) but but like my parents were quite well traveled they told me all these stories about places they'd been before you know, settling down to have kids and stuff. So I was always desperately curious. So I decided to go teach English in Vietnam and go backpacking. And, yeah, I just remember the, the first week we decided to go on this trip and I had my backpack on. And, and yeah, we were um, by Huang Kim Lake in the middle of Hanoi and it's so beautiful there and it was night and it was humid and and um, I don't know, I was just like, oh, my God. This is amazing. Like I, this is terrifying, but um, exhilarating.
0: How long were you there for?
1: I was there for six months. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um. And so, did you realize you're happy at the time, or was that only in retrospect?
1: It was a big roller coaster because in that moment I was happy, and then I'm pretty sure, you know, the next day I, I just I I think I like cried uncontrollably because I was so <laughs> so. Like oh my god, you know where am I? This is such a culture shock. I'm also I was t- I was having to teach university students with four days teaching uh, qualifications. Like I oh had like god. it was this crazy thing, and they they um yeah they gave us a tour of the uni and showed me the lecture room, and um I just sort of was freaking out because um, I had no idea what to do. And
0: you were eighteen.
1: Yeah, I was 18. Yeah, so most of my students were older than me. Um, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of insane. Wow. Yeah, so in those times, <laughs> yeah, I, I would feel very stressed and, and, and freak out. Yeah. Oh, and that's right. The, a previous um, volunteer had put this sticker up on the wall and it said in, in my room, because they, they use the same accommodations for each round of new volunteers that came in, and, um, and it just said, good luck, you'll love it here. And oh. I, I remember seeing that when I was really down and nearly calling my pe- family to be like, I would I just want to come home. And I saw that and I was like, you'll love it here. I'm like, okay, okay. I think maybe I will. And, and then I did. I did oh. love it there eventually. Oh, that's you know?
0: nice. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to ring them and complain that, no, I'm not loving it. <laughs>
1: There was also a small pool of water in the corner of my room where the mosquitoes were nesting. So like, oh, I God. looked at that and went, oh, my God, <laughs> will I? No, but I will. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's lovely. Question two, who would you like to apologize to and why?
1: I don't know if this is too silly, but um, the most recent, I'm going to go with the most recent one because there have been a lot over the years. <laughs> um, but the most recent one was... Um, yeah, I, I went to Pittsburgh earlier this year to do the show and then coming back I had to do the two-weeks hotel quarantine. And um, it was, yeah, it was like the proper shoebox experience, you know, windows didn't open, you're just like stewing in your own festy juices for two weeks. <laughs> it's, it's pretty disgusting. And then I came out of that and it was, it was just weird to be back in the world again and I felt a bit uh, awkward just talking to people and being... You know, being out of my little prison. Anyway, I was (laughs) at the airport and um, waiting for a coffee. And 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 you know, like queuing systems at the moment are so confusing now because you've got to do the one point five meter spacing and you've got to check in. And and you know, the systems are in disarray. So I'm sitting there. So I was there waiting for my coffee, and I thought that this woman pushed in in front of um, this other person who I'd thought was waiting longer than them and oh, I said I said oh so sorry but I think this person was ahead of you and she was like I have been here longer and and then the other person turned around and went like she had been here longer and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry and she was like and she she welled up she started crying and she was like why are people so unfriendly here what is wrong with this city wow and I oh. Felt so bad, and I just felt like saying, Oh my god, I, I'm i so sorry, please don't. like I, I don't even live in this place, uh, <laughs> Mel- I don't know.
0: Oh, you so poor awful. thing, you're trying to so- do the right thing,
1: yeah. But why, like, who cares? Like, we're all just trying to get a coffee, why say anything? Why say you've got, a,
0: you've got a strong sense of social justice?
1: <laughs> oh god, I. I think what it was is the pe- the person that I thought she was cutting in front of had a small child. Uh, and I think I thought, you know, I'm always like people with small children, I'm like, oh, you know, get in, get out, like get, serve them and let them go. Cause yeah, usually yeah, they're yeah. trying to um, the child's restless or something. So, so I think I was, I was empathizing with the, the young parent, but um, some, I just, I feel like I often say the wrong thing. I, I definitely have a bad foot in my mouth, and some my friends, some friends call me like, awkward. I say such awkward stuff, and it becomes a thing anyway.
0: But I think that's that's good. You were you're doing the right thing, and they shouldn't have treated you, uh, or the woman should have just cut you some slack.
1: Well, I'd just like to say sorry. I didn't actually get to apologize to her. So right now, if she's listening, <laughs> if she remembers a mop of blonde wearing a mask, I'm sorry. <laughs> And I don't know what happened to you that day. Something bad was happening to you. And I'm sorry that something bad was happening to you as well because, oh,
0: yeah. That's brilliant. I love it. I've had so many, so many uh, altercations in lines. So that's uh, makes me feel a little bit better. Oh, have you? Oh, God. I
1: feel like you'd be similar in that, you know, you'd respect a, a line. I'm
0: a big, like, <laughs> you know, I'm German. You know, that's very important that order is always retained.
1: I think Bill Bryson talks about, queuing a lot because he thinks English people queue completely differently to American people and he hates it when there are various people waiting in separate queues as opposed to one queue to serve four different windows, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. He's like, why wouldn't you have one queue and then it tapers off and then it's fair, whereas if you have four separate queues feeding four separate windows you have to just pick what you think might be the fastest queue. it's not a fair system
0: that's right and is that sorry (laughs) sorry is the one queue leading to the four windows is that in the american way of doing it
1: no he thinks that's the i think he thinks that's the english way and that's the better i think
0: it's a great way i think it's a great way too because that yeah the post office where i'm at is that that's two lines to two separate things and you just got to kind of make it you just got to bet
1: you got to make the choice and then and then if you're with a a partner you get in a little fight because it's like why did you choose (laughs) like this wasn't the right cue and then the other person's like why are you making a deal of this like how was I meant to know and then you're like we've got a small child with us like we need to get in and out
0: (laughs) it's a good thing we never fight with our partners um
1: (laughs) 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 Only about the small kitty thing. (laughs) Um,
0: Question three is what is your greatest regret?
1: Okay. My greatest regret. I don't know if it's my greatest. Adam, I'm not sure if people ever actually tell you their real greatest regrets, by the way. But but I think a big one for me was um, when I was a a young girl, uh, I think it would have been 10 or 11 um, I used to spend a lot of time on my, my grandparents' farm out in East Gippsland, They're Merino sheep farmers, and um, used to love spending time there. Anyway, I often would be there with my cousin Sophie because we were the same age. So, yeah, we used to play all over, but we, we used to love playing in the hay shed. It was this huge, huge space um, filled with, you know, all the years' worth of hay that the sheep were going to eat, and it was, um, yeah, really fun fun spot. Anyway... We thought it would be really funny to create like a fake bridge and then convince our granddad to walk over it and create like a booby trap <laughs> so that he'd fall down. So, so between two hay bales, we covered the middle section that had the gap. We covered with a thin layer of hay. And then I went on one side and pretended to be stuck and I was like, Sophie, you go get Pa and bring him to the shed and, and and we'll make it so that he thinks he has to come and help me and walk over the booby trap. She's like, yeah, yeah, it'd be really funny. <laughs> so she went and got Pa and I'm there going, oh, God, oh Pa's stuck. Like, I'm stuck in this hay bale. Can you help me? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. And he walked over, fell in the hole and really screwed his lower back. He was like, oh, oh, you know, st- and straight away, it's like that thing when you're a kid when just straight away you know you've made a really bad mistake and that you're in big trouble. But not only that, that you've sort of, that you've just done the wrong thing, you know, and, and I was a good girl and I hated getting in trouble. <laughs> and, um, and I love my past so much. And all of a sudden he was, you know, in, in quite a lot of pain. We had to go get my grandma, my nana, we called her nana, And um, she was very upset with us.
0: So you you came Uh, clean. It was, or was it obvious that you? It was a trap. No, it was
1: pretty obvious what had happened. We came clean. And and the thing was, Pa's back was never the same. So he had continual issues. And mum would always mention that to me and look at me, like, you know, Pa still has back issues. And I'd be like, yeah, and look down. And I just felt so bad. So I was so close to, Pa. He he was a wonderful man, really funny and smart and kind.
0: And how old were you when when you when you did that to your, your uh, granddad?
1: Um, I think I was about ten or eleven. Um, so poor Pa, he just <laughs> don't let kids in the bloody hay shed, basically. It's, it,
0: especially if they have got to grow up to be actors, there's you know there's going to be some sort of practical <laughs> joke thing going on. Um,
1: I know. Oh, uh, yeah, what a little shit.
0: I told George I was grateful to her bringing a proper regret to the table because a common refrain on this show is for people to tell me they have no regrets.
1: Yeah, maybe people feel that way about emotional things because I'm a bit like that, like when I've – with really um, – Think, you know, when I've screwed something up and and created maybe emotional pain for myself or someone else, I always think, oh, that was bad. But, you know, I've learned from that or Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to regret that because now I know for next time that that's a bad thing. Whereas when you physically hurt someone, the, you know, like his back was fucked for the, the, the years after. So, I mean, I can't be all philosophical and be like, I don't regret that, and I learned not to do booby traps for grandparents. So, I'm just like literally, like, just legitimately regret hurting him and causing him pain in any sort of way.
0: Moving on to question four, what will George still need to do to feel she's lived a satisfactory life?
1: I think, I think something I'd love to do is to get to create something from scratch um and collaborate with people on it um i've got this movie that i've been working on and um it would be an all female cast and like i i have no idea if that is ever going to get up but i fantasize about it constantly because to me it's like to be able to create work for other people and to be able to yeah create something from scratch to to be able to have a bit more power over something. I mean, you're you produce and write all the time, but yeah, I've I've as an actor, you know, you're mostly doing what you're told, and um, <laughs> well, that's not true. You do get to collaborate in the rehearsal process. You get to bring a lot of your own ideas to things, which is always thrilling. But um, yeah, like to actually get to um, conjure something from the ground up would would be Incredible.
0: George went on to say that as a director and producer, she'd bring a unique insight into handling misbehaving actors.
1: Snacks. You've got to give people snacks. I think that's just yes. if someone's <laughs> being shitty. Just give them a snack and then reassess the situation. There you go. I, I, I didn't know that. I, <laughs> this is the thing. I think, like, these are the things maybe, like, as a mom as well or just being a woman, mm. you really appreciate the importance of balancing your blood sugar levels. And I'll just say this as well if there's if anyone wants a bit of handy advice, eat a banana before you go into an audition every time. It, it, it helps you so much. Really? Yes, right before. Because I was realising this, I think, especially being in L.A., and, you know, it's quite a long travel time often right. to go from home to get and Yeah, often you've been in the car for an hour or you've spent 40, 40 minutes walking through a, a giant soundstage trying to figure out where the hell you're meant to be. And um, if you're hungry, I feel like you're just, your body uh, is concentrating on that a tiny bit, you know, and and having, <laughs> I just say banana because it's an easy snack. But but um, I think
0: it's great. The potassium would probably no, be serious. really good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. it gives you, it, it helps regulate your adrenaline as well because you're going into a fight or flight situation. You know, you're nervous. Your body is usually freaking out in some way. I, and I'm pretty sure most actors feel that way. I've not really met many who've said, "Auditioning's so easy, Oh, yeah. fine." And um, and so it just calms everything down a little bit, but still gives you the energy. Anyway, that's that's brilliant.
0: I know, I love it. It's like, and also uh, pineapple juice for voiceovers. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That was we got told that at drama school.
0: Yeah, I I loved
1: that about drama school. I loved that all the little bits of. Just little um, tips you'd get along the way, uh, like it was.
0: Don't blink. <laughs> that was my thing. Don't blink. I'm oh, blinking.
1: Is that a Tom Cruise thing?
0: No, it's a it's a Michael Caine thing.
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Don't blink.
1: And um, and he also used to cheat his eye line as close to the like for his for anything like close up, he wouldn't look at the other actor in the eye. He he'd cheat his eye line even closer to the lens. Uh, and apparently master. that, I know, can you imagine? You'd be like, dude, just freaking look at me. Yeah. Then you'd be like, oh, my God, I'm working with Michael Caine. This is amazing. Yeah.
0: Um. He's, not, he's not looking at me, but that's, that's okay.
1: You cannot look at me whenever you want, Michael. <laughs> that's right.
0: But Michael Caine says that if you are going to look into the eyes of the actor you're working with, then choose one eye and stick with it because that will give your performance more strength. Moving on to question five. Who is the person who most influenced Georgina and how?
1: Um, I think my dad, which I guess that's a quite an obvious answer. Do people always say, oh, their well, parents but, or?
0: but he's he showed his royalty,
1: yeah, yeah, he is, and and he is also just a wonderful person. And and from as far back as I can remember, has intrigued and interested me, and made me laugh, and told me amazing stories, and um and made me want to be in this field because he was and he just, yeah, like, talked about it all the time and has such incredible uh, stories and, um, yeah, he, he really did. And also he really um, helped me, you know, like he, he would drive me into the city for drama class. We lived about an hour out of the city. So, like, yeah, the fact that he would drive me every week and, um, and yeah, we just would talk about story all the time and, and dissect things a lot. You know, we'd we'd see films. We'd he'd take me to theater, and we'd we wouldn't just be like, "Oh, that was nice." Have a cup of tea. It was like, right. I liked this person. I didn't like this person. This was why. This is the story sucked here. Uh-huh. They it peaked there. There was not enough conflict here. You know, and so, but he talked that way with with me from the start. I feel like you know, and about. Disney films and about everything, you know. Um,
0: Georgina's dad is the screenwriter and director Russell Haig, who, as I said in the intro, is most famous for writing the screenplay of BMX Bandits, but he also wrote for Blue Heelers, Snowy River and Water Rats. But get a load of what he did before that.
1: Yeah, so he started out in England. He, he got an architecture degree and then was working in an architecture firm but wanted to get into film desperately. And... Um, this opportunity came up to work on 2001, making little gadgets and things like in the art department. And, um, but they needed someone straight up. He had a friend there who kind of, he'd sort of said to this friend, like, can you just tell me if anything ever comes up? And this, uh, yeah, this, an opportunity came up but the thing was he was meant to give his architecture firm at least two weeks notice but they needed someone immediately like they needed someone on that Monday and so he went to his boss who was apparently this big burly guy tats and everything when tats weren't even a thing or well, they were a thing but you know it was pretty tough people had tattoos in the 60s yeah, as opposed yeah. to you know whoever Um, and he was quite nervous but he said look I, I'm so sorry please will you let me go I I, I'm desperate to work in the film industry. This is an amazing opportunity to work on this new fun film, 2001 A Space Odyssey. And the guy said to him, son, follow your star, go.
0: Oh, yeah. that's lovely. And
1: apparently it was Guy Fawkes night that night and dad drove back to the city and there was fireworks going off and he was in his happy place.
0: So what, what did he do on Clockwork Orange? He
1: was one of the art directors. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he um, went from 2001. So basically he kind of described it like it was incredibly difficult to get your union card back then in the UK for any industry because I think I remember John Lumley talking about this with acting too. It was incredibly You had to have a line to get a card, but how do you get a line without a card kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's the same thing. So he all of a sudden had a union card to be in the art department. So all of a sudden he was, he said, it, you know, you just started going from job to job. Um as an art department person, and yeah, he he is actually yeah one of there was the top art director, but I think Dad was like one or two under him for Clockwork Orange. Um, so he has the most amazing <laughs> stories about Stanley Kubrick and oh, like wow. all that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, there's some good ones. There's some good ones.
0: You should you should record. You should interview him. I've been with, trying know.
1: to get someone. Adam, maybe yeah. like maybe you should get him on. But like I. I've been trying to. I've been trying to get someone to interview him because he's the last living person to have worked with Stanley Kubrick in Australia. He's eighty-two. Um, Just
0: take your phone down there. Take your phone down there and interview him. Yeah, get yeah, I down. should.
1: I should. Um, yeah, because you know, it's it's living history. You know, and it's of course. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, he made he made the dagger like the the you know the walking stick, and then the guy. Oh my god. And, and he figured out how to get the blood to squirt out of it and um yeah just great great stuff and and yeah a lot of stories about how difficult stanley was and yeah just I and, yeah couldn't understand why people wanted christmas day off and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah just amazing stories and i think i watched clockwork orange with him when i was like 12 or 13 because i was like oh i want to see some of the stuff you've done he's like oh yeah sure let's watch it and i was like oh my god this is this is full on. <laughs> you know, like as yeah. a kid, probably way too young to be watching it. But um that's kind of what it was like growing up because we were also really good friends with. I don't know if you know Everett DeRoach. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. A horror the, writer. Yeah. He, wrote, he was he used to do script assessments. Ah, uh, yes. That's, Victoria. that's
1: right, that's right. So yeah, he um so Everett wrote Long Weekend and Razorback and uh, wow. Road Games and Harlequin and Patrick and all these like. Oh, yeah, yeah yeah um like not quite Hollywood was essentially about him I think yeah um, but it, we were really good family friends with with him and um we so we were there all the time and they'd always be like <laughs> yeah movies on I remember seeing Freddy Krueger when I was six or seven <laughs> I Was playing at their house and and being terrified oh but God. sort of fascinated so yeah it was um Yeah, that was... uh, What an
0: interesting time. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was,
0: yeah. And especially at at such a young age where you're impressionable and the brain is still kind of forming (laughs) and everything and you're hanging out with those kind of people, I think it really helps, you know.
1: I just like the way Dad and all the film people that were around and they just... I love the way they spoke to us like we weren't kids as well. They just related to it. I felt like we just always got to be included in the conversation and we never... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because film people are kids themselves a bit.
0: So there you have it. The key to having creatively gifted kids is to not talk to them like they are kids. Moving on to question six, when was the last time Georgina cried and why?
1: You told me about this interview a couple of weeks ago, so I actually kept a cry log for the last two weeks, which I can share some of them with you if that's in any way. Yeah, that is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I love it. I, like, listen to other interviewers who were saying things like oh I hardly ever cry when was the last time scratching their head and I'm thinking oh my god just constantly crying I'm generally happy person but doesn't mean I don't cry a lot so I think okay so the first one Greta I think we just lost childcare, and Greta's I spent an hour trying to get Greta to put her underpants on and then I just started crying um this is brilliant and, and Greta's because Greta doesn't say nice things to us that much unless we get upset and then she'll be really nice anyway so she was like I just want my mommy to be happy (laughs) I was crying and then she said I love you mommy you're my best friend and then I just kept crying because I felt so ashamed that I had been (laughs) crying in front of her (laughs) because I always say you know like they always say you're not meant to do that and so many parents are like you know just it's really important to be calm and be the rock around your kids. And I'm like, fuck, I fail at that constantly. <laughs>
0: uh, what she sounds, she sounds like she's very evolved.
1: Well, she
0: apart from the underpants.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, why was I even caring about underpants? We're all at home. It's locked down. It was
0: an hour, George. It, it, it was an hour. It
1: was an hour. It just is that thing of I think it was that thing of staring into the barrel of no childcare as well and being like, I am going to be mm. trying to get Greta to do stuff that she doesn't want to do all day every day for weeks, months. <laughs> Who knows how long this is going to go on <laughs> for. And so the tears were probably uh, yeah, a combination of that that despair.
0: Of <laughs> course. Um,
1: yeah. And then okay, so that was <laughs> that was 2 weeks ago. And then a few only 2 days after that uh, I cried because I checked my email and it said there was an email from MTC saying Cyrano wasn't going to be performed this year. And I'm friends with Virginia, Virginia Gay, who wrote it and starring in it. And I just, my heart sort of just broke for, oh, for her. And I think because I hung out with her last year while she was writing it and she was so excited about it and oh, yeah. ugh, I don't know. And then, yeah, it was just, I was like, this is so fucked. Like, this is so, yeah, so sad. And also feeling so like a useless friend in that moment because we can't even go around to each other's houses and bring a bottle of wine and commiserate, you know, the stuff that you would normally do mm-hmm. to help people. You know, all I could do is text her. And I think I like text her something useless, you know. And, and yeah, it's just that thing of you do feel useless because you can't support people in the way that you normally would if something bad happened to them. So, yeah, it was, it was just a moment where I was like, ugh. But I think they're going to try to do it next year.
0: They are Cyrano by Virginia Gay as part of the MTC 2022 season and will be performed in September. But back to George crying.
1: Then what else? Oh, yeah, a couple of days after that, I cried watching The Chair, episode five, when Sandra O's adoptive daughter (laughs) made that ancestry shrine. And um, it was just a really beautiful moment. (laughs) I won't give it away. Um, And what else? God, Adam. You've asked the wrong person on this podcast. So then a few days after, oh, I tried to go on a new contraceptive pill and it was horrible and I felt nauseous and depressed. But then I, so I cried, but then I felt happy because I just went to bed and told everyone they're not allowed to bother me. And I kind of felt happy that I just got to be in bed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and have an excuse <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway that's
0: that's great it's a
1: snapshot for you
0: oh I love it thank you
1: but um generally you're happy person.
0: <laughs> you know, it's you're in touch with your emotions
1: well you know I think you you have to actors sort of have to be I think that's what's hard about it is that you know you have to be so oh people always talk about that you know being resilient and having to deal with rejection but it's true like you have to be tough but then at the same time, you have to be able to pull your heart out and wear it on your sleeve, and 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 um, have access to it. So, yeah, exactly. It's, exactly.
0: it's it's a really good point.
1: It's um in a way, I feel like that's why I'm perfectly suited to this job, is because I feel like I've 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 got that <laughs> balance.
0: Yeah, you're tough. You're tough, angel. <laughs> maybe not
1: as tough as I want to be sometimes. I reckon
0: you're pretty tough. Maybe
1: not tough. It's more like I can just endure. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. I i do not know if I but maybe that's what toughness is. I just feel like I I can, I can, yeah, I can endure.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, you can. Definitely. Yeah. Oh no, you can. Uh, what is your current state of mind?
1: My current state of mind is I feel, I feel very hopeful I I think I feel much better now than I did a few weeks ago actually just because I mean just today specifically like getting to do podcasts like getting to connect with people Mm -hmm. but then also um like I did this little voice workshop that um this awesome voice teacher called Leith McPherson has been running through um the Sydney Theatre Company um and I had I was lucky enough to have Leith at Whopper uh, oh, yeah. for three years. I had her the whole time. And she's this amazing voice teacher, like unbelievable. And now she works, yeah, she works a lot with MTC, STC, films, every, you name it. But, um, yeah, it was just lovely to get to kind of do this workshop with her and there's hundreds of other actors all in their houses doing it as well. And there's just this feeling of, um, I don't know, I just felt like there are all these, the, the, the light is starting to shine again, you know, like the, the yeah, yeah, spring yeah. is happening at like people as performers, we're all waiting in the wings, getting ready to do stuff. Like I've got a friend who's getting ready to rehearse a show. Um, and they've just found out like, they're going to be able to go ahead now with 75% audience capacity and um, yeah, there's just people are getting ready to put shows on again. Like Broadway is just open. I know that's in New York. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like I feel like it's just a hopeful time where there's finally some light at the end of the tunnel and, yeah, there's all these performers waiting in the wings doing voice work, getting ready to <laughs> come <That's
0: cool>. out. <laughs> what did she talk about? Like what was specifically like with was she just being generic kind of? So
1: she was saying that um, because of lockdowns, all the performers she was working with have really tight lyrics larynx Larynxes. How do you say that? Maybe
0: larynx. Maybe it's larynx. Maybe it's larynx. Is larynx. Larynx. Yeah.
1: So she said that because it, and being hunched over, doom scrolling, all the zooms. um Yeah. Oh. She's like every single performer that their, their larynx is much higher than it should be. Um, wow. And and yeah, so she we she basically took us through a bunch of physical exercises to try to lower it. So that included a lot of stretching neck muscles. The the area between your shoulder mm. blades was really uh yeah, important yeah. to loosen. and then she made us do this thing where we had to um put our tongues on our lower lips <laughs> and then sob so i was very obviously mm. very dirty. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yep so that lowers uh, yeah. it straight away it does yeah. doesn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we also do this awesome exercise where we stuck our tongue straight out and then had to talk with your tongue sticking straight out of your mouth like a little cuckoo clock and um that's a great one to do before you try to do a dialect because it basically opens up a mouth where you might need to be moving the placement of something, the, the placement of an accent. So Australians, our, our accents are quite flat, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of our mouth that can get a bit lazy. So, yes. Um. Oh, I just love that stuff, and and I find all that so helpful. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. underestimate how important voice is because it's a lot of it is subconscious. How to when you're watching a performance or taking it in you know, you're, you immediately think about, oh, how does someone look or, how, you know, but how how they're sounding is often what is making you feel certain things. Um, they're so
0: much more attractive if they've got, a, if they've got an attractive voice. I mean, mm. look at Russell Crowe. Would Russell Crowe have been a huge megastar if he'd just like spoken like this, you know, <laughs> he's got an amazing voice, you know. Yeah, yeah. It used to be a truism in Hollywood that male stars were judged by their voices and the size of their heads. Question eight: What does George consider her greatest achievement?
1: Um, well, I, I think so, this is quite personal, but it's it sort of was an important moment to me. Um, for a few reasons. So, basic. So, after Greta was born, I experienced quite intense postpartum anxiety, which. Um, it's really full on. It's, yeah, I, I honestly felt like a completely different person and I found it really hard to, to deal with. Um, and I was in LA. So, like, right up until Greta was born, I was testing for stuff. Like, I, I went in, I was auditioning and I was getting calls from my agent, like, two weeks after she was born being like, if you're going to get out of bed for one thing, lady, it's this. Are you sure you can't go in? You know, oh, like, wow. it was and it was so hard for me. I was only 31, like, and I'd gone to LA to want to be an actress, like to, to switch that off and and to deal with being a new mom. Like I just, oh, I think my head was just, uh, yeah, trying to deal with so much. Anyway, so cut to if five months in, Greta's five, yeah, Greta's five months old and, and I'd had to work really hard to to come good, you know, like I'd, I'd had to work really hard to um get to feel myself again and to to feel like I could function and to to control the anxiety and and all of that. And this audition came up for a show called The Crossing, which is a sci-fi show. And um and I was fine, I, I felt like I was ready to start auditioning again. But of course it's hard. Like you're sleep deprived and you're breastfeeding and you're still dealing with all the postpartum stuff. Anyway, um I was like, no, I really want to go to, to audition. And I I printed it off and it's these huge monologue like this huge monologue um this all like she was a the character was a doctor so it was all medical talk and I was like oh my god how am I gonna you know it was like can you come in tomorrow kind of thing yeah less than 24 hours to prepare and I was like I don't think I can do this I, I just don't think I'll remember it I'll be shit like what's the point Josh was like don't go then I'm like okay I'm not going I was like, I'll just try to learn it and see if I can do it. So then I, I, I worked on it. The next day, I think my audition was at 2 o'clock. It got to 1.30 and I was like, no, I still don't have this down. I'm not going in. I'm not doing it to myself. Josh is like, fine, don't go. You be you. I was like, maybe I should still go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, it got to 2 o'clock. I called my agent. And I was like, tell them I'm running late tell them I need I just need half an hour more like to learn this and I'd never done that before I'd never sort of lied no, no. To, um, to kind of buy myself an extra 20 minutes but I was like I just feel like if I have an extra 20 minutes with this these words I might be able to do this so I was like just lie tell them having car trouble tell them I'll get be there at two thirty or whatever so so I went and I was I was doing this thing where I was just running the words in the car in the car park really tried to give myself as much lead in as i could and then yeah got into the audition and they were like thank you so much for coming in georgina okay we're just doing scene two oh. and i was like and they, oh. they didn't want me to do the, the one I'd, i was like oh. and i just i went well that's that's really annoying and they're like what wait what and i was like oh um i mean yep no that's that's fine yep i'll do it and they're like oh oh I think I was still hormonal. Yeah.
0: No, but that's and good.
1: I, and I got angry. And um and so they let me do it. They let me do the scene. And <laughs> and I did it. And I they called me up and go, gave me the role the next day. And, oh, that's
0: fantastic.
1: And it was and we did a whole season of the show. Like I went, yeah, went up to Vancouver with Josh and Greta and, and That's right. And yeah, and um it was one of it was just a really great job that I nearly I so nearly didn't didn't do it, you know. Like I, and I guess I'm proud of myself because you're going to make me cry. But yeah, I just it was such a hard time for me, and it just it honestly took it it, it just so close. I, I so nearly didn't go and do it every step of the way. Like every ten minutes, I nearly didn't go in, and it's and. Amazing. Yeah, and I don't know what it is that made me go and do it, but yeah. So I just, I, I I don't know if it's like a greatest achievement, but it just, it. it, Oh yeah. um, I've I've never not nearly done something like that before. Well, can
0: I can I ask what why why do they only want to do scene two?
1: Well, often that happens where they'll send you a bunch of um, scenes, and maybe they've seen. I don't know, 20 actors read this stuff and maybe they, they're just like, ah, the first scene's not great. Let's just get people to do the second scene. Oh,
0: okay. Scene. But they never okay. tell you
1: in advance. like, or, or sometimes they don't have time. You know, they're running out of time. It's the end of the day and they're like, oh, well, let's just get people to do one scene because we don't have time to see both. Or, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. And, you know, you really should just <laughs> probably do what you're told. But I
0: wonder if it i wonder if it got you the role as well. You know, it's like. Do, you know- uh,
1: yeah. I, I don't. Well, yeah. Josh is convinced that it, me getting angry helped get. get them, yeah. Helped get it, but uh, who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, uh, I, I'm glad I didn't stuff it up after getting angry about, you know, wanting to.
0: No, you would have been focused. Did you have your banana? No banana. Uh, there you go. Your- <laughs> um, question nine is: Who would you want on your side in a battle? And why?
1: So what? What do you mean? This question confused me a little bit. Do you mean like yeah, a war? Right. Like a war? Is it a medieval war situation? Like is no, it a viral, is it, Look, it could be a Twitter. <laughs> is it a Twitter fight? Like what, you,
0: what you choose it? your own adventure type thing. It could, it's like whether it's work, whether it's family, or, or you, you could say it's work. Um, so you could say you know, actors or directors you want around you, or um, family, or. You could or a physical confrontation. Whatever you, what you like. You, you,
1: <laughs> that is such a difficult. I don't even know. Um well, my Japanese teacher in high school was this amazing black belt. She she would come oh, into wow. our school and and she'd hmm. be like, check out my legs, and she'd pull up her dress. She she was this like cute as like amazing dresser. She always had these incredible outfits, very feminine um is what i mean and then she'd like pull up her skirt and she her thighs would literally be black like dinner plates on on each leg
0: bruises, bruises.
1: yeah yeah and she's like yeah i just got my black belt wow <laughs> anyway i'm like so i'd have mr jimura for sure in any battle cuz yeah obviously physically mentally she just ticks every box do you, oh do you know another cool trick that sort of relates to this battle question um, And so I think someone told me about this when you're feeling nervous or need strength for something in life is that you picture um, your ancestors standing behind you in like a big pyramid. So behind me, I've got like my mom and my dad and then behind my mom and dad are their mom and dads and then so on and so forth. And you just picture your family tree, like kind of like a root system just following behind you. That's lovely. And And... I've closed my eyes and done that for sure um, it, before, like, yeah, in times where I've been really scared or nervous about something, and it just gives you so much strength because, yeah, it's like all those people are there. You, you're you exist because of all those little decisions and things that have happened behind you, and if all those people could be alive today, they would probably be like, just do oh, it. You know what I mean? Like they, they would be there for you. So, and, and I love, um, yeah. Connecting to those ancestors.
0: Yeah. It's a guardian angel thing almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and the final question is what would you like your last words to be?
1: So hard. I, um, I was thinking about Greta with this question because I thought, well, she'll probably be there. Um, and so I guess I, I was thinking I just want to say something for her more than anyone else because, she, you know, I, I was, so I was thinking of something just like, be strong and I'll always love you. Because um, I just want her to always feel like I'm with her. Um, and <laughs> my, my grandmother passed away, when my grandmother passed away, she turned to my mom and said, oh, it's just all too hard. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, I don't want to, I don't want it to be that.
0: <laughs> it's kind of dry though, it's, I like it.
1: Well, yeah, she she did have a very dark sense of humor. So I wonder if she <laughs> oh, that's all too hard. I feel like it's very Australian or something too. So like,
0: Ah, it's not too hard. That's
1: <laughs> all too hard. To see, right? <laughs> um <laughs> I love it. I shouldn't laugh.
0: But to Greta, yeah, yeah. So be strong and I love you. Was it was that it?
1: I guess so. I mean. Uh... I'll have to come up with some quotes. It's, if anything, it's given me something to do, Adam.
0: So are we in this in this scenario? Josh has already passed on. Just you, you and Greta. <laughs> well, he is older than me, but <laughs> yes. yeah, who
1: knows?
0: <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe our iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at AdamZwaar. So until next time, thanks for joining us.